more times. Well, this is a day that the Lord has made, and we're thankful for it. It's a beautiful day God has given us to worship Him, to gather together as family and as friends. I guess you could say every day is a special day, but particularly today, we have an opportunity to cheerfully come forward and share our gifts for God and His kingdom. The theme I've chosen today is simply giving cheerfully. Giving cheerfully. Now it's interesting, the word itself is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Let me read it for you. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I'm looking for a lot of smiles today. Aren't you excited that you're here today to be cheerful? Well, maybe you hadn't quite anticipated that. But that's what this day really is all about. God loves a cheerful giver. We love God because he first loved us. And so our response to God is, God, uh, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Is that how you feel this morning? By the way, I'm going to come a little closer. Is that how you feel this morning? Okay, good, good, good. You know, cheerful giving, boy, that sounds, oh, pastor, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, things are tough. My life is, you know, it's a struggle. I mean, look at our economy, our society, look at the stock market, look at all this stuff. And you're talking about being a cheerful giver? Well, I'm not talking about it. God is talking about it, really. And he has shaped us and formed us, blessed us, and graced us to be cheerful givers. Givers of our time, givers of our talents, givers of our treasures. Here, my Lord, use me. And you're here today to be reminded, really, of God's blessing, of his promise, and his faithfulness. We need to be reminded of that every day. I sure do. I remember as a child when I would come to church on, on stewardship Sundays with my parents, it was always a very uh, kind of a mundane type of task and service, and everybody was very somber and sober. And that was okay because we were reflecting, I'm sure, in our prayer life, on how God has blessed us. But I didn't see a whole lot of cheerfulness. And God speaks about that. This is not just me. This is God. In fact, you know, the word cheerful comes from the Greek word hilarion. Now, what's the English word we, we get from hilarion? Hilarious. God wants us to be hilarious givers. And when you think of the word hilarious, you think, boy, that's sort of out of control. What's wrong with that guy anyway? He's smiling. He seems to be happy. He says to the usher, man, I can't wait to get up there to the altar and put my, my, my commitment up there because God is so committed to me. 
Anybody ready to do that today? Well, maybe not with that kind of vigor and uh, openness. But it's true. God, he so equipped us and gifted us, blessed us in so many ways beyond our comprehension. I can't begin to number the blessings that God has given me in my life. But yet, seemingly, seemingly, the commitment of time, talents, and treasures becomes limited. I was thinking of this this morning in my sermon as uh, Pastor Chris was introducing the, uh, the message here for today on Stewardship Weekend. I've served. I've given my time. How about this? It's time for somebody else to step up. Okay. Uh, have we been tempted to say that ourselves? Sure we have. I've done my deal. Well, time for somebody else. You know what? I'm glad God doesn't say to me, you know what? I've saved you in Jesus, but now it's time for you to get your deal done. He doesn't say that, does he? Because our salvation is fully and freely bestowed upon us through the grace of God in Christ, and it's unlimited. It's without end. How about financial resources? Well, I had a guy tell me one time in a, in a congregation, I, I just got out of the seminary, my first church, and he said, Pastor Miller, I have a good idea. How many families do we have in this church? And I don't know, we... We were a small church. We only had about 10 families, okay? It was a mission. And I said, we have 10. He says, well, let's divide our budget up by 10 and then just send a, a, a bill to every family. And I said, whoa, I didn't get that kind of training at the seminary, that's for sure. I mean, I didn't get that kind of training. Like Pastor Chris said, boy, that kind of makes you gun shy when you want to talk about the stewardship and the management of the blessings that God has given us. I heard a missionary too one time, this was years ago, uh, he was from Africa, and he talked about how the congregation there, he was a missionary, he had formed a, a small a church, uh, and the, uh, the folks there, uh, when it came time to bring the offering forward in church on Sunday morning, they would come up as a family and somewhat similar to what you, you all are doing here today, because sometimes I see couples and children and everybody, you know, come up to the altar. They came up to the altar, but they didn't just walk. They sang, and they jumped, and they jived. They were joyful. What an opportunity to give to the Lord a portion, only a portion, but yet even more a portion ourselves to the Lord for he is good it seems to be such a struggle at times we're so drawn by not looking up but looking within I know these are difficult times for all of us we live in a very convoluted and evil world. And the assault on the Christian church is incredible. On Christian families, on children. It's incredible. 
to draw us away from God and his promises and his principles and his holy, precious word that leads us in the way, the truth, and the true life. We are faced with obstacles today that in my short life I have never experienced. Martin Luther was challenged during the days of the Reformation as well as he preached from Wittenberg and uh, yes he did preach about stewardship and one of the things that he said kind of an interesting quote he said three conversions are necessary to follow Christ three a conversion of the heart a conversion of the mind and finally a conversion of the purse have any of you ever heard of a pocketbook Boy, when I was a youngster and going to church on Sunday morning, my grandmother would say to me, get my pocketbook. Well, that was where all the goodies were kept, you know. Those were the dollars and cents in those days. And uh, Luther said, you know, that's a challenge. It's a challenge for us. The Bible speaks of it over and over again. In whom do you put your trust? Where your heart is, there your treasure will be, right? And that's today what I'd like to talk about in terms of joyful giving. Just three little steps or points of, uh, that I think are, are helpful for us to comprehend how we become greater, uh, greater gifts of God in cheerful giving. There are three points. One, we want to look at the Macedonian church. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul lifts these folks up as examples of, of givers who gave of themselves uh, to the needs of the saints in Jerusalem. And he talks about these, uh, these folks in a very special way. And it really, you can almost put it into three points, as we would be cheerful givers today. Number one, they loved the Lord. Number two, they believed in the cause. And number three, they trusted that God would provide. Now, those are three easy things to remember, aren't they? I mean, number one, they loved the Lord. Number two, they believed in the cause. And number three, they trusted in the Lord to provide. Well, let's look at those just really briefly here this morning as we grow in our joyful giving. They loved the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 8, uh, 5, we read, they gave themselves, these Macedonian Christians, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. You know, that's where cheerful giving really originates. It's a personal thing. It relates to our relationship with God. Do we love the Lord? We know that he loves us. And we can't begin to love him without his love impacting our life, with his spirit taking over. We love because he first loved us. They love the Lord. The key for their, their generous heart was they gave themselves to the Lord first. How do you give yourself to the Lord? Well, you say, Lord, here am I today. Uh, you've given me a new day. I'm waking up. I'm opening my eyes. And uh, either I'm, you know, I'm going to school or I'm going to work or I'm retired and uh, doing what I want to do like Charlie does, you know, whatever he wants to do. And so uh, here I am. Uh, what can I do for you today, Lord? Wouldn't that be something? Whatever our walk is in life, what, comes, what can I do for you, Lord? 
I love you. I love you with my whole heart. I, I love you because you first loved me. And I'm not lost. I'm, I'm not uh, cast away. I'm not living a life of uncertainty and, and uh, you know, looking at life in such a negative way that I'm depressed without any hope. Lord, you have given me everything. Here am I. I'm ready. What do you have in store for me? By the way, when you ask that question of God, be ready. Because he'll answer. <laughs> he'll open a door, and maybe you'll see it even more clearly, because I believe he gives us those opportunities every day. So cheerful giving begins with our love for the Lord, our, our commitment to, here am I, Lord, use me, here am I. You have loved me. You have given me life, not only here, but in heaven above. By the way, Paul talks about that as a grace. He says, I want to talk to you about the grace of God given to the Macedonian Christians, the grace of God. This is a gift. We don't deserve it. We don't, uh, you know, by nature, we don't want anything to do with God. But yet, wow, God says here, I'm, I'm putting my spirit upon you. In our baptism, we were set apart by God for some unusual tasks, things that we're not even aware of even yet. God has worked for us to do. And that leads to the second point of cheerful giving. You believe, you believe in the need. You believe in the task. Well, let me ask you this. What is the cause of, the Lutheran, of St. John's Lutheran Church, San Prairie? What's our cause here? What's our need here? What's our purpose here? Do you believe in it? Now, sometimes you can get involved in congregational life where, you know, not everybody agrees. I think these walls should be painted more of a beige. And because of that, uh, you know, I'm not going to give as much as, you know, you're asking. <laughs> I believe this carpet shouldn't be red. It should be blue. So I'm not, you know, going to participate. I don't think these pews need any help. You know, the list can go on and on. I don't think the bathroom downstairs... By the way, have any of you been to the bathroom downstairs? It's very nice. Um, uh, I think that should have different kind of plumbing, okay? Now, you might think this is silly, but really it isn't. People get so hung up on issues that do not matter one iota. They come unglued. They don't believe in a specific cause or a specific task or ministry, maybe. But that's where the body of Christ needs to come into play. We all come together under God's word, under the leadership of those whom God has placed to lead us. And we pray and we contemplate and we reflect and we move together as one. But what is the one cause of Christ that there should be no misunderstanding? We all are jumping on board. How about Matthew 28, the Great Commission, right? Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. Why? Because people need to be saved. People need to be brought into God's kingdom. That's the purpose of the church, that we can grow up in the church, like on a Sunday morning or as we're into the Bible and the Word, or go out. Go out from the church. We're ascending church. Isaiah, hear my Lord, send me. Are you ready to be sent today? 
I'm not sure where you're going to end up today. I mean, you're going to go back to your house, maybe, or meet some friends or whatever. But God is sending you. He's got a plan and a purpose. Are you committed to that cause? And then finally, do you trust in God to provide? Do you trust in him to take care of what really matters? As we extend ourselves in Christian giving and in service of time and talent and treasures, we, don't, we just can't really rely upon ourselves to make it happen. Everything in life is so, temp it's so temporary. I mean, it's so fragile. But there's one thing in life that is certain, sure, and forever. And that's God's word, and that's God's promise. In 2 Corinthians 8.8, 8, let me read that to you. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all your needs, they will abound in every good work of service. God's promise is really clear. He provides all that we need. In fact, full measure pressed over overflowing. I have so much more than I need in my life. I mean earthly things, possessions, uh, toys. Yes, adults can have toys, right? We all have things. <laughs> we all have things, don't we? More than we need. God's need is greater. First and foremost, God wants you, and he wants me, and he wants us under the cross, and then he wants to take us with that cross into a fallen world to bring the gospel of peace and of hope where it is so lacking. My prayer for all of you today as you come forward with your, uh, your heart and your lives to say, Lord, here I am, send me, use me. I love you. I believe in your kingdom and I trust in your promises. You'll become more cheerful in your giving. So I would invite you at the, toward the end of the service as you come forward today, just as that group of Christians in Africa, if you want to dance a little, shimmer, no, I'm just kidding. But be joyful. Be joyful that God has given you this opportunity and the opportunity for, for all of us to participate in the greatest work of all, his kingdom. May God grant it for each and every one of us, in Jesus' name, amen.